you for joining us in worship uh, and as we open God's word and uh, teach from God's word today and uh, hope that we put forward uh, God as uh, faithful as we sing and uh, Jesus Christ as worthy of our, our praise. Um, it's been a little while since I've been up here, so I'll introduce myself. My name is uh, Craig Spivey, and I, I serve here at Connect Church on our leadership team. Um, my family's kind of right over here in this area. Um, it's a beautiful day for us to be here together as we get to open God's Word. Uh, and our hope this morning would be that God would use His Word and that God would use His Spirit to refine us. That from this very moment until the end of our race, we would bear a clearer, or for some of us, maybe a new resemblance of Jesus Christ. Would God grow us and shape us this morning? If you would, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the passage we read earlier. We'll be in Romans chapter 3, and we're going to actually be looking at verses 21 through 26, as David had read. And if you don't have a Bible this morning, uh, two things for you. We're going to have the verses up on the screens up here, so you can follow along there. But if you don't have a Bible, you can say you don't own a Bible, would you please just look in the chairs in front of you, look in the chairs beside you, behind you, uh, look for a thin black book that's going to be a a little Bible right there. If you don't own a Bible, please get that one, have someone hand it to you, Uh, there's no no shame there. Uh, Grab that Bible, put your name in it, please take it with you, and that's yours to keep. It's exciting as we look at our text today. As we look at verses 21 through 26, I'd venture that most of us are, at least on some level, familiar with this passage. You probably know verse 23 by heart. These verses are well known and they're well preached. They're packed full of rich theological doctrine. And in doing so, these verses give us a window to even clearly look at God's beautiful character. And with that, there comes a weight and a challenge preaching from such a full and well-known passage. We can often tune out as we're familiar with a text, or we can tune out because the text carries such a deep doctrinal weight and big words, we just choose to ignore it. So let's pray this morning before we read our text again. Would you pray with me that the Lord would use this time, his word, for his glory. Let's pray. God, we thank you that we can be here, and we thank you that you give us life on this day uh, to stand, uh, to read your word, and and sing to you, Father. Um, We sing uh, as sinners brought into redemption uh, by your work, by your faithfulness, Father. Um, We pray specifically over this time right now, uh, would you use your word Uh, amongst our hearts would you move in our hearts would we love you more because of your teaching this morning God open our eyes and our hearts to see what you want us to see in in this passage today Father Um, God we we pray for anyone that that does not know you that you would be made uh, beautiful today as you are beautiful and God and that we would put forward uh, an accurate picture of who you are and Father, we, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So beginning in verse 21, would you please uh, read with me once more. We're going to go through verse 
26. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. And this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So how great is this beginning we have here? Right off the bat in verse 21, we see this very important detail that the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Paul has spent the better part of three chapters outlining how we as people have failed and continue failing when our hearts, minds, and actions are held up to the law of God. We see given in Exodus 20. As John Piper would say when looking at this, he, that's Paul, he has just spent chapter 1, verse 18, to chapter 3, verse 20, to stop the mouths of all humanity and bring the whole world into accountability before God under sin. And two weeks ago, Paul ended our text with a truth that because we have the law, as God's clear standard, we are then aware of our sin. Uh, many of you, like me, uh, find yourself with uh, small children in your home. And when you have small children in your home, you find yourself frustrated quite a bit. Um, and it's just a natural part of life, it seems. Um, you know, you might clean something up, and then it's, bam, knocked back over. Uh, you hide things, but somehow they find it, and you're like, how did you even know? And it just goes on and on. And after they've managed to knock over everything, and after they've managed to get into every little thing you've hidden in your home, you find yourself in that moment of frustration. But then, if you're like me, you, you catch yourself and you realize, okay, he's one year, he's one year old. You know, he, he doesn't really know what he's doing. He's just out there and about. He's having fun. He doesn't really know that he's done something that he shouldn't do or that I don't really want him to do. But then once they are old enough to in, in understand your instruction, then they know that they've done something wrong. You see, the law illuminated our sin. So when we come to verse 21 this morning, how great is this beginning? This but now. As the commentator Douglas Moo would say, but now marks the shift in Paul's focus from the old era of sin's domination to the new era of salvation. Then to take that that idea even further, uh, the, the famous... Uh, English preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones said when speaking of this text this morning, there are no more wonderful words in the whole of Scripture than just these two words, but now. And to understand why it is so important that the righteousness of God is manifested outside of the law, we first have to understand the intricacy of that phrase. And that phrase is the righteousness of God. And when you hear that, 
and you read that quickly, you may be in the same position I am. And the thought that pops into my head is more of an adjective phrase uh, for the word righteous. You know, righteous in itself is an adjective that describes something or someone. So I read that phrase, the righteousness of God, and I'm thinking something along the righteous, you know, God is righteous. I'm thinking of some character of God. But the word that's actually used there would not be appropriate for that setting. <clears throat> the word used there in the Greek is called dikaiosune, and that word is actually a noun. This word means, sorry, so with this word being a noun, it doesn't actually describe anything. However, it stands on its own as something. And the statement that we see in our text today, the righteousness of God, dikaiosune, is used to convey the state of him or her who is now acceptable to God. And this word and this phrase is used four times in our text this morning. So that's what we're looking at here. God has manifested how we can stand before him in an acceptable position. In keeping with that thought, we're going to look at verse 23. We're going to come back to verse 22, but first we need to go to verse 23. So read with me. There, picking up in 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 21 and verse 23 play off of each other. In verse 23, Paul very efficiently summarizes all that he had been saying in the first three chapters. And in doing so, we get a clear and, su- a clear and succinct doctrinal point here. And that's the total depravity of man. And you've probably heard that phrase before, but most of us probably have an idea of what that means. But to look at it, what does total depravity mean? Total depravity is a doctrinal answer to the common question, are people inherently good? When we say total depravity, we mean that people are not inherently good. However, we're born into sin because of sin's stain and effect on our hearts. All components of our life are then marked by sin. And our verse today, verse 23, is perhaps the clearest scripture support for total depravity. And we have a few more just to quickly look at this morning that would support this uh, doctrinal belief. Isaiah 53, 6. Many of us probably learned this when we were younger. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. 1 John 1, verse 8. If we say we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And then in two, two places in the New Testament here, Mark 10, 18, and also Luke 18, 19, Jesus is speaking to the rich young ruler who comes to him and calls him good teacher, what must I do? And Jesus stops him and says, and Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So these are all quite clear and when we look at the entire arc of Scripture, it's clear that we're born into sin, and it means that at every moment outside of Christ, we're standing on the wrong side of God's standard. And that's exactly what verse 23 is saying. When Paul says we've fallen short of the glory of God, he's saying that we've missed the mark. Adam and Eve enjoyed communion together with God in the garden. But once they entered into sin, that relationship was no longer the same. It was different. 
So what would bring all this together? What would tie the, the, the kaiosune, remember that's the state of being acceptable to God, we have introduced in verse 21, with the total depravity we see depicted throughout Scripture indirectly in verse 23 here today. The question is, how can depraved people stand rightly before God? And this is where Paul begins to shift in the book of Romans. You know, we spent uh, quite a few weeks going through these two, two and three chapters of Romans. Uh, you have to remember, they would have got this letter in one piece. They would have gone through it together. Uh, we break it down. We have one hour a week. Can't do it all at one time. Uh, but Paul is now turning his letter and as, he's, as Piper said, as he's now brought everyone under accountability before God, he's now shifting from that and saying, okay, you're under accountability before God. Here is how this problem can be addressed. Only if we are justified, as we read in verse 24, only if God declares a judgment upon that sinner, you and me, that our sin is paid for. And how can God acquit us, acquit us of guilt freely as a gift to you and me? This, there has to be an action here. This isn't a, a situation where things can be passed through and at the end it'll all work out just fine. No, we're standing guilty and we have to, we have to uh, act, actively be made guiltless. We find the answer to that question back in verse 22 and also in verse 24. So read with me. We're going to read verses 22 and 24. Beginning 22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. And then jump to 24. And justified and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God judges us to be in right standing before him. That word, dikaiosune, God judges us to be in right standing before him as a gift. And it's only through Jesus Christ. Redemption is only through Jesus Christ. Another quote from John Piper here that would sum this up. If we are that proud, if we are that suppressive of the truth, if we are that stupid and blind, if we are that unwise, if we have exchanged the glory of God, if we have trampled it underfoot, if God's wrath is against us, what can be done for us? And the glory of verse 24 is that the description of what can be done for us is all outside of us. It is all outside of us, this glorious, glorious verse 24. So this morning, this would bring us to our second doctrinal focus we find in this passage and that's justification and specifically justification by faith alone and just as we did with total depravity we're going to look at what this means and then bring some additional scriptural support for justification by faith justification by faith alone is really what Paul has been teaching in part this whole time you see we're judged to be righteous by God only through the faith in Jesus Christ And Paul's thoroughly broken down that we can't perfectly fulfill the law because we're sinful. 
That was the entire argument he's been making before the Jews and also to the Gentiles because the Jews wanted the Gentiles to adhere to the law. We're unable to be in that right standing before God. We're unable to be acceptable before God. Again, that word, dikaiosune, by completing works. It's only through faith. That's what verse 22 makes abundantly clear. And three more passages that would quickly bring this to light. Galatians 2.16, we also have believed in Christ Jesus. In order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. And then in Ephesians 2 verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. And lastly, Acts 16, verse 31. If you remember this scenario, Paul is in prison. There's an earthquake. They think the prisoners have escaped. The guard is about to kill himself. Paul, Barnabas say, hold on. We're right here. No one's left. Don't kill yourself. Um, and in that very moment, the guard recognizes the goodness of God. And he asks him, what must I do uh, to be saved? And they say, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. So as a church, we hold tightly and firmly the belief that salvation, that redemption, acceptance from God comes only through faith in Jesus Christ. That works cannot bring us to salvation. However, works flow from a heart that is being changed by the Holy Spirit. And that change of the heart comes only after confessing and believing that Jesus is Lord. And that's what we see later in Paul's letter to the church at Rome in Romans 10. Now look at verse 25, if you will, and let's see why redemption is only found this way. Verse 25, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. Okay, there's so much right here, but we're, we're going to keep it uh, kind of simple and to the point. God put forth his son as a propitiation to show his righteousness. And that had to be done because a perfectly holy, a perfectly righteous God cannot ignore sin. So while, as Paul says, in God's forbearance, he had passed over past sins, at the right time, God's wrath was fully poured out on Christ on the cross to pay the price for those transgressions, past, present, and future. Propitiation is a big word. It simply means a sacrifice made to take away something. It takes away something and moves you to a different position. The Father sent his Son to be the sacrifice. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb and we continue this in verse 26. So read with me verse 26 here. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And I love that we get to close with this verse today. It's very similar to verse 25. But where verse 25 highlights that God and his perfect righteousness could not turn a blind eye towards sin, he could not let it go without 
receiving his wrath forever. Verse 26 highlights a different and equally true point that God, in his perfect righteousness, in his perfect will, had Jesus Christ bear the full wrath of sin so that he could then justify us. The word here, justifier, is similar to the Greek word we've been looking at, dikaiosune, but it's a little bit different. The word is actually dikaio. Dikaio is a verb, and it means for one to judge someone as righteous. You see, God chose to deal with our sin so that we could stand before him. And in that moment, our sin would be covered by Christ's blood, and in turn, God would be glorified. And God will always have his glory. He would be glorified in that, and God would then proclaim us to be righteous. The, God's love for his son would overflow into us when we're covered by Christ's blood. And that's the condition. Only if we believe. Only when we confess that as what Piper said, what can be done for us is all outside of us. It's all God. And it's that way so that God can receive his due glory. And this morning, as we close... I hope that verse 26 will encourage you today as we leave. You see, if you're here and you know that you've never confessed your sin before God, you've never sought forgiveness through Christ's blood, verse 26 can give you hope right now in this moment. You see that God has sent forth a payment for your sin, and it's all outside of your doing. You don't clean up your life and then come to God. Instead, you confess with your mouth, proclaiming that Jesus lived, died, and resurrected to appease God's wrath for our sin and in turn glorify God. If we confess and believe in your heart, and if you're not sure what that would look like, talk to someone today. Look at someone next to you. Talk to them after the service. Anyone that's been up here today, talk to them. But if you're here today and you are a believer, you know that you have uh, confessed faith in Christ. You know, verse 26 is encouraging for us. And I hope we leave encouraged. While we have seasons of great joy in Christ, we also pretty constantly find ourselves in seasons of discouragement. Maybe we're struggling to feel worthy because we've stumbled into sin. Maybe this season of life feels like a constant battle with everything we're doing. I would encourage you to remember, child of God, it's all outside of you too. God called you to himself in the midst of your depravity. As verse 24 would tell us, Christ died for our redemption as a propitiation for our sin so that God would be glorified when, as verse 26 told us, he then judges us as righteous. God's judgment of us when we confess and believe was not only binding in that moment some time ago. God judged you righteous then. He judges you righteous now. And he will judge you righteous in the time to come if we believe. He will keep you for his glory alone. 
So believe your whole tight. Run to God. Meet God in prayer. Meet God in his word. Ask the Lord to show you his goodness. Whatever you're going through, confess it before the Lord. Ask for his help. Ask for his provision. And equally so, find some other believer that you can come to. Have them praying for you. Have your small group praying for you. We're never in a battle by ourselves. As we close today, uh, I'm going to pray. We're going to close again with a song. Uh, We're going to do Praise the Name, uh, the song we sang uh, shortly, a a little while ago. Um, And I hope that the encouragement we find from Scripture today would be highlighted in that song, that we could stand and we could say, how worthy is the name of Christ to be praised amongst all other names. That as a believer, we see that God did all of it on his own for his glory. God loved his son and we're covered in his son's blood. And in turn, God loves us. And if you're not a believer, how beautiful a story that is. How good news do we have in that? That I would challenge you to look at the world, look at what's going on in the world, and see if that world doesn't bear the marks of sin. Because if sin is true, if sin is real, then sin's a real problem that would have to be dealt with. And in our passage today, we see how it's dealt with. Only in faith. Only when we confess and believe in Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you uh, again for this time. Uh, God, I pray that you would speak through your word. Um, pray that as we sing, that you would move in our heart pray that as we leave today, God, that your words would be written on our heart, on our mind, that we would think of them. God, when the, when the enemy, uh, when this world uh, is constantly uh, throwing things at us, when we're stumbling, when we're fighting, um, God, those moments of discouragement, would we look to you uh, and ask for your help, Father? knowing you're faithful. Uh, God, would you be lifted up high? Would you be glorified in our time now as we sing? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.